everyone. Welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan Show presented by Sun Illusion Sports. Welcome to this Friday post-Thanksgiving special of the show. DJ Dylan Jesperson here uh, in the great state of Michigan, as always. Joined, as always, by my main man, D.H. Dylan Holt. How are you doing, my man? I'm down bad, and everyone knows why. They're very aware of why, and I'll get into it later, I guess. I really don't want to, but I'll get into it later. I've done all I could to not talk about it. I had to do a whole freaking podcast about it earlier this week. Talking balls, you you can seek that out if you will. It's just 30 minutes of me being real sad, but I'm not going to be sad today. I'm determined not to be. Happy late Thanksgiving. I'm excited to get into all of our Thanksgiving-themed stuff we have today and all the other things. Um, And also, I'm not deaf. I was still in Dylan, Dylan before the show um i hadn't been able to really hear out of my left ear for the past like i don't know like week and a half i got kind of scared but uh i can hear again so that's exciting also i talked last week i saw black panther i i I would have mentioned this too i started this white lotus show on hbo i've watched five episodes no clue what it's about absolutely no clue I, i just wanted to mention that so if you're watching white lotus and you know what it's about please let me know uh but yeah i i'm down bad but i'm gonna do everything i can to not be down bad how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing at least a little bit better than you. I'm not down bad yet, but uh, obviously approaching the biggest game of my season this weekend. And uh, uh, it's it's a, I'll obviously get into it as well. But it's a weird it's a weird feeling coming into the the biggest game of the season with some of the news that we're kind of awaiting as that game uh, approaches game time this Saturday. Obviously, uh, but happy to be with you. Happy to be with you with this on this Thanksgiving week. Uh, if you are listening to this on the day it released, we are post-Thanksgiving. You enjoyed your Thanksgiving festivities yesterday, uh, but we are recording this pre-Thanksgiving. So we are excited for all of the Thanksgiving stuff going on with the, the NFL games, obviously. The college football games, the college basketball games that are going on. Uh, but we're going to start with our out-of-the-box draft, with our Thanksgiving-themed out-of-the-box draft. Uh, and this is a good one for this week. Uh, DH came up with it. it. Is the athletes or sports figures we would want to invite to our Thanksgiving table. Uh, someone to join us and our family as we uh, take in the, one of the best holidays of the season. Uh, I have a Willem Killer, I'm pretty sure, right here. I do. Let it rip. I got a reflip. It fell off my hand. I saw it. It's all good. I'll, I'll vouch for I it. I got tails. All right. What do you want? I'm going to go first pick because I got one guy go that it. I think I really want to get. I think this was the first guy that came up in my mind when this draft um, was mentioned for obvious reasons because of his personality, but also he's a big dude. I want to see what he does to a Thanksgiving table. It's Shaquille O'Neal, Sha- Shaq. Uh, my Instagram story as of right now is a quote from Shaq about Kobe and how about how you need to call your friends and your family members up because forever is a long time. And I think Shaq is the perfect mix of like a funny guy, a very smart and introspective guy, uh, and also just like, of course, he's huge. And I want to see what Shaq would do, what a Thanksgiving table looks like with Shaq, uh, like being prepared for him. Because I feel like uh, even if he shows up somewhere and they're like, okay, we got to prepare for Shaq, they also, he also brings his own like half a meal because it's like, yeah, I know you guys didn't prepare specifically enough for me. So I'm going to have a whole turkey and my own sides over here so I don't ruin your guys' stuff. But he's also, you know, 
what he does on inside the NBA or around the NBA and uh, TNT is obviously a lot of fun. And uh, he's the guy we've grown up with. You know, we, we saw him uh, while he was in his playing days, you know, the, the fun stuff he did with the Shaq versus and whatever it may be. Uh, now we've seen him grow into a media personality that's just been, uh, you know, one of the top guys out there. And I think, I don't know if there's anyone that represents sports better than Shaquille O'Neal does uh, as a, you know, just a, as a figurehead. So uh, if I could have him, join my table i would be very happy and the that would be my first invite going out i'll throw it to you for your first two picks so i love that pick i didn't think of Shaq for whatever reason i don't know why um and like you a lot of which i only know one of your picks but most of my picks are former athletes and i don't know what what that is maybe it's because they've got into the media roles and we've seen more of their personality that might be it i don't know but um my first pick it's a football player former football player marshawn lynch and I, Marshawn has always been a favorite of mine. He has this huge personality that I think we've seen since he was at Cal with Aaron Rodgers. And they highlighted that a little bit last week on Thursday Night Football before um, the Titans-Packers game. Marshawn interviewed Aaron, or Aaron kind of interviewed Marshawn. It was kind of going back and forth. It was just two guys hanging out. And Marshawn's got this big personality. He's kind of out there. And it's kind of been highlighted throughout his career and then post-career. Marshawn likes to eat. So I think Marshawn would fit right in at a Holt family Thanksgiving, uh, throwing out some turkey, some ham, or whatever else might be whipped up. So I, I'd love to have Marshawn. Marshawn just, he cracks me up. That video of him, I think it was from his rookie year in Buffalo, where he's like, yeah, I just spend all my money at Applebee's and Dave and & Buster's. I'm like, that's the kind of guy I want to hang out with. That, that That's my kind of people, Marshawn Lynch. So I'm happy to get him with my first pick. And then my second pick just came to mind uh, when you were mentioning Shaq. Rob Gronkowski, I, I think Gronk would be awesome to have at a Thanksgiving table just because you never know what Gronk is going to do or say. And it, it kind of keeps you on edge. And It's like, hey, this is exciting. Like he might grab the turkey leg and then two seconds later, he's doing a mach, uh, macho man Randy Savage elbow through the table. And it's like, what's going on, Gronk? Why'd you do that? And it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm being Gronk. It's like, fair enough. That That's a fair enough explanation. Uh, I think Gronk's just so ex- eccentric and so crazy. That'd be fun to have around. And I, I think everyone, even though he might uh, do some things that are kind of taboo, I mean, he's a little crazy. I think at the end of the day, everybody be like, yeah, we love Gronk. Uh, even like your grandma would be like, yeah, I, I love Gronk. He's just so charming. He's like a golden retriever. It's hard not to love him. Like he played for the evil empire, the New England Patriots. And I think everyone loves Rob Gronkowski. So yeah, I got to take Gronk with my second pick to go along with Marshawn Lynch. I'll throw it back to you for your next two. Yeah, I love both of those picks. Two of the most probably likable athletes, uh, I think, out there. Uh, regardless of who you're a fan of, you can't hate on Marshawn. You can't hate on Gronk. Uh, I'm sure you can, but not on this podcast. Uh, with my next pick, I'm going with a guy we've talked about a lot, and I think he fits in with the Thanksgiving theme uh, totally, especially with uh, the question we're going to get into later. Uh, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, because I don't think there's any – athlete that's more appreciative of where he is than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and I think that would translate to if you invited him to a Thanksgiving table, he would just really appreciate being there and the food that you prepared for him. Uh, I mean, you talk about, I, he, I think it was Slurpees or whatever. I can't, for, I can't remember what it was where he was just gushing about, man, I love America. The fact that Slurpees exist, the fact that this is a thing. Uh, and that's, 
I, I would love to see Giannis's first Thanksgiving. I'm sure he's probably already had it at this point. But what it was like to see him, you, you know, this this day that we have set aside where everyone just eats all this food, all this great food that he probably didn't have uh, loads of in Greece. So uh, Giannis, uh, and he's he's a great guy, great funny guy. He fits in with all the other things that we're looking for uh, and a good table uh, guest. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, love to have him. Uh, and with my next pick, uh, a guy we've talked about a few times, uh, a former athlete but current coach, I'm talking Steve Kerr. Uh, I think he's just a, a guy where, uh, you know, he, if you want to defuse some of those bad table conversations that you have around Thanksgiving, Steve Kerr is the guy that I'd like to, you know, I, I think everyone – uh, that's at least a, a minute sports fan can look up to what Steve Kerr has done in his career uh, and look up to him as like a, you know, just a guiding force. He he seems like your grandpa at the table who has just all the right things to say, always says the right things at the right time. And I think uh, to bring together a big group of, of, of athletes and former athletes, I think Steve Kerr would be the perfect like figurehead. He'd, he'd carve our Turkey in this, in this scenario. So give me Steve Kerr, give me Giannis and I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I like how you mentioned Steve Kerr carving the Turkey. Cause my next pick is definitely the person I see in my scenario, carving my Turkey and that's Peyton Manning and Peyton had to make my list. I mean, I w- we've had a couple drafts lately where I haven't selected Peyton. And I'm like, I feel bad about it. Peyton's my guy. He's the guy I've always looked up to. That's the guy I had a poster of growing up in my bedroom. Uh, but I think Peyton, he fits the scenario because Peyton's so funny. He, he's such a lovable guy, kind of fitting the vibe with Marshawn and Gronk. And um, we've seen as he started his media career with ESPN, and he's done stuff with other companies. He's so entertaining and he can tell stories and do all these things. It's, Especially for me, it's hard not to love Peyton Manning, and I, I think he would he would take over that dad role almost, and he would be like, "All right, guy, carve the turkey," and then after you eat, he'd be like, "All right, let's watch the Cowboys and I think the Patriots this year. I think that's the game or Patriots Vikings, whatever it is." And uh, five minutes later, he's asleep, and it's like, "Oh, that darn turkey knocked me out." I just see Peyton being like that. He's like a middle middle aged man. He's like my dad, like where he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna cut the turkey, all that, and then go watch football," and he's asleep. Or I could see Peyton be the type of guy that like crashes Thanksgiving. He's like the uncle that like it's like, well, like we invited him, but we didn't expect him to show up. And he shows up with like the whole Manning uh clan. He's got Eli, he's got Cooper, and he's got Arch, and then Archie and um whatever Archie's wife is name, and the whole Manning clan shows up. And I'd be a okay with that. I, I think Peyton would make things interesting. So I, I got to be Peyton, obviously, a title of place of admiration. And I just think Peyton's awesome. I think he'd make things entertaining and uh, just be a great uh, guest. And then with my last pick, I, uh, I'm good, getting away from football. I'm going to pick a basketball player. I'm picking Kevin Durant because I think Kevin Durant, uh, he adds a thing that goes underrated in Thanksgiving dinners. And he would be a very calm relaxed person and i think sometimes you need that because at least in my family thanksgiving can get very high stress all everyone that's preparing food they're stressed they want it to be perfect and everybody 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 just wants the holiday to go perfect and after you eat sometimes you just want to relax sit on the couch and watch football i think kevin durant would be the perfect person that'll sit by you he'll, he'll be in the lazy boy he's just like man 
How about this? The Vikings, primetime, they really suck. And it's like, I know, Kevin, what's up with that? They were undefeated. Now we get some primetime games and they stink it up. He's like, I know, man, it's crazy. I think Kevin Durant would be really relaxed, easy to talk to. You can just talk some football or some college basketball at the time. I just, that's how I see Kevin Durant. I, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He's just like a normal dude that happens to be seven foot tall and the greatest, one of the greatest basketball players ever. So I, I think Kevin would be awesome just hang out with, eat some turkey, watch some football, maybe talk a little bit of basketball. So, yeah, I'm happy to grab Kevin Durant and Peyton Manning uh, invite them to my Thanksgiving dinner. I love both those picks. I feel like Kevin Durant would definitely be the family member that takes a long walk after the after the Thanksgiving meal. I think if you know what I mean there, he's definitely the the family member that's gone for about 15 minutes after the after the meal is over. With my final pick, I am going to switch from all basketball to football. Uh, my only pick, I'm going to college football. I'm going Blake Corum, my man, my man running back, and we're going to talk about him a lot later. But uh, he fits a lot of the categories. He's a humble dude. He's a funny kid. Uh, you know, you don't get to hear a lot from college athletes, but everything you hear from Blake Corum is like, I like that kid. I, everything that comes out of his mouth uh, just is like, he's a likable dude. Uh, obviously, he fits in with the Thanksgiving stuff. He's done his uh, Thanksgiving turkey giveaways the past two years uh, with his NIL money. That's been pretty cool. Uh, and mainly, I want to keep that kid fed. You know, that kid has a, a big game coming up on Saturday. I want to make sure that he's fed and ready to go on Thursday. So uh, if I wanted anyone from that Michigan roster in there, uh, it's Blake Corum. I wanted to keep him healthy and ready to go uh, as we enter the biggest week of our season. Any alternates from you that didn't make your uh, invite list? I did have a few. I J.R. Smith, you mentioned the the walk maybe before or after J.R. Smith would definitely be right there with KD. Uh, Mike Vrabel is someone that I find so entertaining. Uh, didn't quite make my list, but I, I thought I think Mike Vrabel's awesome. John Morant obviously is going to be on every alternate list ever for me. Uh, campaign the same way. Uh, those Murray State guys. Uh, hold special places in my heart. I, they've got invites every year. They can come to Murray to Thanksgiving whenever they want. Um, yeah, that's all the ones I had, though. I, I was pretty dead set on the guys I had down. I was like, I think I can get them. I, th- I think Dylan will go in a different direction. So, yeah, I got these guys. Did you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, I had more Michigan guys. Jim Harbaugh, J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, the Michigan offensive line. All those guys in the same realm as Blake Corum. They need to be fed. They need to be taken care of this week. Uh, Hunter Dickinson in there as well. Jamal Williams uh, for what he's done for the Lions just the past few weeks. And he's also fits in that. I mean, he would be a funny guy to have around. Charles Barkley was there in case I didn't get Shaq just to have like the, the rivalry there. Uh, and then Mike Leach. I think he would also be an awesome dude to just – uh, I, I would probably be stuck with Mike Leach, even with all of these dudes that I've mentioned. I'd probably be just be picking Mike Leach's brain the entire evening if I had Mike Leach to myself. So uh, awesome guys there. I think all of those guys would fit uh, at a great Thanksgiving dinner somewhere. And I think they all will be having a great one uh, this Thursday and probably did. If you're listening to it now, probably did yesterday. Moving on to question and answer this week. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Dylan because we're going to stay on the Thanksgiving theme for just a minute. So what is your question? Yeah. Thanksgiving theme. Uh, just like this year, or you can be on this year, but what are you thankful for in the world of sports? I think uh, last year we did this. I think it's a good time to just kind of like express some thankfulness. It's the, this is the season. So what are you thankful for in the world of sports this year, maybe even beyond? Uh, mainly, really, I want to say I'm thankful for the Michigan football team and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, 
Uh, I think this was probably what I was most thankful for last year. I didn't really go back and look and listen to what that was, but I think it was because we were in the midst of that great season. We hadn't gotten to the Ohio State game yet, but it was uh, it was really clear that Michigan was back on like a- another level. It, it, much like how Tennessee took that step this year, last year was Michigan's step forward and getting into that kind of elite college football playoff realm uh, level. And this year, uh, you know, obviously we went through the offseason with Jim and almost going to the Minnesota Vikings, but coming back, going 11-0 for the first time since 2006, uh, being able to just be like not worried about Michigan in terms of the stuff that we shouldn't be worried about them for. It, it, it's been a long – it felt like for a long time in my Michigan fandom uh, that we had to – you know, worry about every every game, basically. Every game in the Big Ten was losable. Games against Michigan State, games against Indiana, uh, Illinois, even though, I mean, obviously we struggled against Illinois last week, but it, it seemed like we're always going dr- to drop a game somewhere and Ohio State was always going to be out of reach. And uh, they've truly changed that. It does seem now, even in the national narrative, that Ohio State is not out of reach from Michigan. And that's uh, pretty shocking to say when you think about, I mean, Ohio state has recruited better than anyone. And that's, that's mostly Alabama and Georgia included. I mean, they get like top top, their next recruiting class is like five of the top 10 dudes in their, in their class already. Uh, they're insane at recruiting. And what Jim has done is just been able to almost change the entirety of college football where it's like, okay, it's not just who recruits better. It, it, because for a long time it felt like, you know, if you if you're not, you could literally look at the recruiting rankings for the past four years and you could figure out what the top five was going to be. Uh, and I feel like Jim Harbaugh has at least turned that on its head, where it's like, okay, Michigan and teams like Michigan can can play their style and be if, as long as they're good at what they do, they can compete with those teams that are good at everything, like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. So uh, I, I feel like what Michigan has done has now not only given me something to be thankful for, but it gives something for all of college football to be thankful for. You don't have to be uh, the Alabamas or the Georgias out there to have a successful season. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, we can put an exclamation point on that uh, going into the, uh, you know, the big game this Saturday. Uh, Other things I'm thankful for. uh, I'm thankful for the Pistons youth. It's not, not much I can say about the Pistons right now. Not much I can say about, uh, Michigan sports in general outside of the Wolverines. But I, I do think uh, the Pistons of any team are on their way forward. And I've, I've, I've really been excited to see what I've seen out of Jaden Ivey. Uh, it hurts knowing that Cade's probably done for the year and he's uh, that, that injury is going to be looming for a while. But uh, I, I think of any team out there uh, that I'm a fan of, uh, you can look at the Pistons and go, okay, they, they've got something brewing. They've got something there, whether it's there right now or not. Uh, is I mean, it probably won't be, especially with Kate out this year. But uh, there's something there, and I think a lot of at least NBA fans can see it and Pistons fans see it too. Uh, otherwise, I mean – it really, I mean, it really has been Michigan or bust this year for me, which is why this this Saturday has become uh, so important in our eyes. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm very thankful for Michigan football. I'm very thankful for Jim Harbaugh, Blake Corum, for for what he's done, and hopefully his knee can be better. Uh, but yeah, that's 
it, it, it really in the sports world of of 2022 for Dylan Jesperson, it's it's really Michigan Michigan football or bust. Uh, but I'd like to hear from you. What are you thankful for uh, from the sports world this year? So I got five things I'm thankful for. One for each finger on a hand. Um, obviously, the Tennessee Volunteers have brought me so much joy this football season. I, I've never experienced a season like this. Obviously, when I was younger, Tennessee was a lot better. But in my like cognitive, like actually like paying attention, reading the stuff leading up to games, talking about the games with my dad and my brother and my friends on this show, doing talking balls, I've never had this much joy watching Tennessee football. 2016 was a lot of fun. It was nothing like this. And obviously what happened last Saturday, I'm going to talk about that in this week in sports. I'm not thankful for what happened Saturday. But I, I'm thankful for what this season's been. And hopefully Tennessee's going to have a rebound. Get get a win this weekend at Vanderbilt and then go win their bowl game. Eleven wins is a remarkable season for what had happened two years ago. The dumpster fire that was Jeremy Pruitt losing thirty like seven players, I think it was, to the transfer portal and bringing in a guy in Josh Heupel who was really like not a clamored hire. They were like, okay. Like, what are we doing? Why are we hiring this guy from Central Florida? And it's turned out it looks like a home run hire, and it's really, really exciting. People are people, – obviously people are clowning Tennessee, and it's much deserved because Tennessee fans were running their mouth. I was running my mouth. I, I get it. I completely understand the social media backlash. But as a Tennessee fan, I don't think we can get too down. Obviously get down because you ran your mouth. But it's year two of a rebuild, and we're in the college football playoff talks. We should have been in the college football playoff. I mean, it's it's amazing – um, we just didn't we didn't do it on the field. And hey, it is what it is. It's here too. Uh, but I, I think looking back at this season, it's the most fun I've had watching college football of my life. And I, I I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for Josh Heupel, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, all these guys. Uh, I'm not going to really talk about the defense, uh, the offensive line, Princeton fan, Jacob Warren, and cannot go without mentioning Hendon Hooker, what he's meant for this team. And I I, I talked about it on Talking Balls this week. It breaks my heart that his college career came to an end like it did in an absolutely embarrassing loss in South Carolina. But, man, what he's meant for the Tennessee program, I, I mean, it, it cannot be explained with words. Um, and, like, looking back at his, back at his career, 6,080 passing yards, 1,046 rushing yards, 68 total touchdowns, just five turnovers. And that was in 21 games. Incredible numbers. And the numbers, I don't even think that's what it's important it's how great of a person Hendon Hooker is, what he is on the field, off the field. He just meant so much to this program, uh, not only to the players and the coaches, but to the fan base. He represented a stability, and I, I'm really, really excited to root for Hendon at the next level. And I, I really hope the injury doesn't scare NFL teams away because Hendon, he doesn't deserve to have another knock against him because he's just such a great person. He's such a great football player. I talked about it last week on Talking Balls. He's in that realm of Peyton when it comes to Tennessee quarterbacks. I still believe that. I think it's it's tears to it. I think Peyton and Hendon and then everybody else, I don't think this changes it at all. I, I really believe Hendon belongs there. I could talk about Hendon all, all day, obviously. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but if you want to hear any of my other thoughts, you can you can check out Talking Balls because uh, I just I think so highly of Hendon, and I think everyone should. Um, next on my list, Derrick Henry. I could say just the entire Tennessee Titans, but – it's Derrick Henry. I still believe Derrick Henry is the best player in football, the most dominant player in football, and he just continues to show it every week. I think Derrick's awesome, and it's a privilege 
to watch Derrick Henry play football. I mean, last week he threw a touchdown at Lambeau Field. Not a lot of people get to do that. He's not even a quarterback. So I think it's incredible. The the career he's had already is going to continue to have. And I'm going to talk about the Titans in this week in sports because I, I think they've made strides. And I, I think they're getting better, which is exciting. Um, next, Auburn Twitter, which I know is a weird one because I'm not an Auburn fan. But uh, last basketball season, Auburn and Murray State made an alliance. And I just want to say I'm thankful for Auburn Twitter because I'm on the good side and I get to see a lot of the good things they do. And it's just so entertaining because social media was a real pit for me this weekend for what happened with Tennessee. And I get on there and I just see Auburn and they're just so excited for what everything Cadillac Williams has done and the excitement of this coaching search they're going through. And I'm seeing all the rumors and stuff. And I just think it's so much fun. Um, they get a bad rap sometimes because they do go after people. But when you see the good side of it, it's really, really neat because they, they seem like really good people and they, they provide me endless entertainment. And I am not an Auburn fan, but I find myself every Saturday and then basketball game that's now I'm rooting for Auburn because of these people that I follow on Twitter and they follow me and I, I get a lot of entertainment out of it. And Auburn somehow has become like the Murray State of the SEC, which I would have never seen coming. But it's a really nice alliance and I, I absolutely love it. Uh, and speaking of Murray State, the Murray State Racers, that the basketball ride this year, obviously last spring was so much fun, winning the OVC our last time in it and the tournament, watching Tevin go pro, and then obviously all the guys leaving and going to LSU. But now we got a new team, and they're pretty freaking good. We beat number 24 uh, Texas A&M last week, which no one saw coming, and they did it. I mean, it's a whole new team, 12 new players. Ended up getting second place in the Myrtle Beach Invitational, which was really, really cool. Uh, so, yeah, Murray State basketball, thankful for it. And then just one final one that I'm not going to get real deep into, but just the NBA. I'm thankful for the NBA. It's the best sports league in the world. And any night I can watch any game <clears throat> and be entertained. And I, I I love the league so much. I'm just thankful for it. So, yeah, that's, that's the five things I'm thankful for uh, this year in the world of sports. Awesome stuff. Uh, obviously, thankful for a lot of things out there outside of the world of sports, but in the world of sports, those are our top things for sure. Uh, moving on to my question, if you guys heard uh, earlier this week, if you're listening to this when it came out, it just happened today uh, and it, within the last day or so uh, for us. Uh, EA Sports announced that they will be pushing back the release of the NCAA college football game to 2024. Uh, a bit of a surprise, but not like I, there wasn't a lot of news coming out of that for a lot for a while. So it kind of felt like something either bad or good was going to happen at some point. Um, it got me thinking about sports games in general because that was the one game I was really looking forward to playing. And now that it's being delayed, I kind of kind of look at the landscape of uh, sports video games and seeing uh, how truly bad it is. And my question is, is this the worst era of sports video games ever uh, since sports video games have been introduced? I'll throw it to you, DH. Yeah, I don't think it's close. The only new sports game I've played or play is the new 2K, and I bought it like yesterday. And I bought it because it's on sale for like $25. And I was like, yeah, sure, I've got a week off. I don't know what I'm going to do except for record the show and Thanksgiving. So I bought it. And I'll give them credit because I like playing like offline, like franchise stuff. I like creating a team and seeing how they can do. And they've done something really neat on this 2K where you can start a franchise like in 1982, 1991, 2002, or 2022. And I think that's really neat because it's fun. Like me as like a sports nerd, 
I'm like, okay, I can go back to when the NBA was 12 teams and try to draft Michael Jordan. I think that's so neat. So, so I'll give them credit there. The rest of the 2K is a mess. It's just microtransactions and all that. And obviously they didn't invest a ton into the, the franchise mode, which is disappointing because it is, it's really, real, really neat. And I think it has potential. I played Madden this year for maybe five minutes. I did the little trial on PlayStation. And I was like, not for me. I don't like it at all. Um, and I think part of that is I recently got a PlayStation 3 from my little brother, and I've got NCAA Football 14. And I can play that, and it's endless fun. And, like, I've been playing that game since 2013, almost 10 years now, and it's still – I can play it for hours and have countless amount of fun. And I turn on Madden, I'm like, this sucks. This is not, like, football. I, I don't know what it is. It's it's Madden. It's not – I'm not getting a football feel. It's it's very odd. It's hard to explain. Um, the show is always consistent, but it's it feels like it's always consistent. It's not like it used to be. It used to get better. Now it just feels like, yeah, you're getting Diamond Dynasty. You're getting Road to the Show. You're getting all that. Um, so I feel like it was more exciting back then. It's still a good game, but it's it's not getting better, I feel like, whereas – Back in the day, it felt like it was getting better and better and better. So, yeah, I, I think this is definitely the worst era. I, I feel like there's nothing really getting anyone excited. It just feels like it's a cycle where, like, yep, yeah, it's it's August. We got to spend 60 bucks on Madden. It's September. We got to spend 60 bucks on 2K. And I, I've got out of the cycle, and I'm really excited about it. I 2K caught my attention with the eras thing, and I was like, 20 bucks, screw it. I'll try it. And, and I, I'll admit it. I, I am having fun with it, but – I would be very upset if I spent $60. I don't think it's worth $60, but that's my, my opinion. And I, the NCAA news is very disappointing, but I was already, I was nervous about it because NCAA football 14, is like the top tier. It's so good. And a lot of people are just expecting that with uniform updates and just stylish, stylistic updates, graphic updates, and they could really drop the ball. So I saw a comment, on um, Reddit where someone said they know someone really close, which who knows if they really do, but they said the statement they got was, do you want a game or do you want a good game? And if that's true, that's really exciting because that means they're, they're really putting time and effort into it. So if that's the case, we can wait another year or it might just be trash. So who knows? But uh, yeah, I, either way, th- this is definitely the worst era of sports games. In my opinion, I'm curious what you think. Yeah. I saw an anonymous quote that was like, yeah, there's, they really are taking their time to make it not a Madden reskin and making its own game, which in that case, I think it is good news, uh, but we will see. I, I think it's clearly the worst era of sports games. It, it sucks to think that like uh, the kids that are growing up in high school now with this as being their, their sports games like experience, because when I was growing up, I mean, when we were in, you know, middle school to high school is when 2K was really taking off when it was really taking the reins from, NBA Live, uh, which NBA Live was a, was a def- decent se- series in its own right, uh, and then 2K just took this whole jump and, and made it made sports games. I mean, it was the pinnacle of what everyone wanted sports games to be. Everyone was like, "Oh, we want 2K to take over uh, football from Matt from EA because they just do such a poor job." And uh, back then, I mean, even FIFA was a huge game, and people that didn't play soccer loved to play FIFA. Uh, and then obviously Madden was what it was. There's just nothing in terms of uh, of that. I mean, FIFA is going down. I, I'm, I'm 
I've heard that they're they're splitting FIFA and EA are splitting uh, down the road, and there won't be World Cup on the on the soccer games down the road. Two K, like you said, it's just it's just a, a game filled with microtransactions. Uh, I think that's the biggest part of it. Is like you even if you spend just twenty dollars on the base game, you're still going to spend like sixty dollars on top of that just to to be able to play with other people at the at the same level, which it wasn't like that before. Uh, sports games weren't like that where you had to literally pay another full game on top of it just to be able to play it. Um, I think NCAA 14, like you said, is a great example of what sports games used to be. Uh, and I feel like they used that they must have gotten out of the system of like, we need to build a complete game because we release games every year. We just need to make an updated game because I think that's the biggest thing. When you go back to NCAA 14, there's still parts of that game that you I haven't even touched that I haven't even gone through and like wanted to go into because it's so there's so many parts of it that it's like I've gotten so I love Dynasty but Road to Glory is like pretty deep. Uh, imagine trying to play a Road to Glory at every position. Like it's it it, it would be impossible. It takes so much time. Uh, there's no like impossibility with 2K or Madden anymore. You can touch the entire game within like one sit down of of the game. And uh, yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of problems with sports games right now. But it's really like there's no variety and there's no choice in it anymore. I mean, even growing up when we had we had 2K and the show in terms of baseball games to choose from. Obviously, if you were on Xbox, you didn't get to choose the show, but it made it so. You know, you had to actually make a good game for people to want to buy your game because there was another option. I think that's one of the biggest things right now is the the, the titles that have a monopoly over these sports, like Madden does over NFL and football, and and Two K has over basketball. They just don't have to do anything. They just they know that they they are the best option at uh, for these games or to to play. You know, a basketball game on on Xbox or PlayStation so they can just do whatever they want. And it it sucks because yeah, I'm out of the system too. I'm out of the cycle. I'm not going to buy another game that that college football game was the one I was looking forward to. And you know, it just saves me 60, 70 bucks next, next year. And I can just keep playing, uh, you know, NCAA 14. So uh, yeah, I hope I really am hoping this college football game is the one that changes it because it sounds like they're bringing on a lot of the people that used to work on the college football games, and I think it'll be a it'll be a nice, refreshing addition to the college or to the sports video game landscape to have like a team that really wants to make college football look like college football on a video game. Because if it just looks like Madden with college football uniforms, people will know, and people aren't going to want to play that the same way. So. I think there's a lot riding on what this college football game looks like, which uh, could be a good thing that they pushed it back and want to make it better. It could be a bit. It might just be that they weren't able to figure out the NIL stuff and license it. And they're just pushing back that to to renegotiate with their lawyers. But uh, if they are really taking their time and making that game better, uh, then hopefully it'll be what we are hoping it will be in terms of the step forward that the sports video game needs, because I mean, like when I was growing up, I was a sports video game player. Like I don't, I didn't play other games. I played Madden, NCAA, NCAA basketball when it was a thing. That's not even a thing anymore. So I mean, it, it's just it, it sucks because I feel like there's a lot of kids growing up like not having that same experience. That was such a big part of what got us into sports growing up. I mean, there was 
that's one of the things that grew me grew me closer to and the NBA in general was playing 2K every year and learning the rosters and learning all these guys and who was good and who wasn't. So uh, it sucks to like be a little bit disconnected in that way uh, that we can't get anymore. So uh, it, just shout out to EA and 2K. Get your get your games better at some point because it's, I think it's it's pretty clear that a lot of your good fans, a lot of your loyal fans, aren't happy or satisfied with the product. It's just people that are going to buy it anyway, and that's not a sustainable uh, way to do this. Uh, moving on, though, we're going to move on to this week in sports. We got a lot to talk about this week. DH, you got a big one to get through, so I'll throw it to you. Uh, this week in sports, anything you want to get through, but obviously Tennessee, uh, big on our minds. Yeah, Tennessee got marked by South Carolina. It was absolutely embarrassing. I, I mean, Tennessee lost to Georgia early in the year, and I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I, I still believe Georgia's the best team in college football. That defense is incredible. I'm like, you know what, whatever. They're the defending national champions. We had to go there. The environment was unreal. Like, whatever. Tennessee still has a chance. They close, They were supposed to close out the season with this easy schedule. And they got through Missouri, and then they went to South Carolina, and oh, my goodness. Um, you talk about poop in the bed. They absolutely pooped the bed. I, I just couldn't believe it. And – the first drive, South Carolina moved the ball really easy. And I was like, you know what? Tennessee's defense, sometimes they let this happen and then they get better as the game goes on. That happened with Missouri where they allowed like 24 points in the first half, then didn't allow another point. And it's like, okay, maybe that's what's going to happen. No. South Carolina's first 10 drives, nine touchdowns. It's embarrassing. Tennessee was a top five team. I mean, there's nothing else to say that's embarrassing. And, I mean, I, I've got a lot better as I've got older as at, when I'm watching a game <clears throat> on TV, I don't get real emotional. I don't like yell at the TV and stuff like that. I was sitting there Saturday night yelling at the TV. And I, it was more of embarrassment because I've come on here. I've talked to friends. I've talked to all these people. And I'm like, yeah, Tennessee, they're really good. And I was like, the defense isn't as bad as people say it is. And oh my goodness, I couldn't have been more wrong Saturday. And I don't think that's the real Tennessee defense. I still don't. I, there's a lot of things, and I'm not going to get into it because I'm not going to get into stupid rumors. There are a lot of rumors about things that happened before the game. Tennessee's defensive leader, Jeremy Banks, did not play. And that, I think that made a huge, huge impact because Jeremy Banks is a great middle linebacker. He was not out there to call the defense. And I, I think that makes a huge difference, not 63 points. But I, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, and I, it was just embarrassing watching Kamal Hayden or Brandon Turnage, the defensive backs, playing 10 yards off these receivers. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't like to, like, individualize players that are struggling. But, like, why would you do that when you're, you're waiting for guys to come to you before you tackle them, letting them get first downs? It's like, what are you doing? It, it was very, very frustrating. Um I mean, it is what it is at this point. You can't really do anything about it. I, I feel bad because I've talked tons of crap about Spencer uh, Rattler, the Netflix star, and my goodness, he looked like he was in a Netflix movie on Saturday night the way he was playing. He, he looked like the guy that was supposed to win the Heisman and be the number one pick. That's what he looked like. And there were rumors before the game that Rattler, um, after next Saturday, is going to declare for the NFL draft. And it's like, Why? And it's, I know why now the, the man went crazy. He looked like an NFL quarterback. So credit to him. He absolutely went off. Uh, you got to just tip the hat to Shane Bieber in South Carolina because they're ready to attack a Tennessee team that obviously they saw weaknesses in the defense. They absolutely exposed them. So credit to him. I, I, that's all you can do. I, I thought Tennessee had a chance with Hendon back there. They could maybe dual points. 
the second Hendon went down at the injury, I knew it was over. It took the team out of it completely, and you can't do anything about it. You just got to bounce back this week at Vanderbilt. I, I'm going to be there uh, this Saturday. I thought it was going to be a joyous thing, cap off an 11-1 season, and hopefully wait to get in the playoffs. Now, it's just I, I still want it to be a joyous thing. I, I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, man, we haven't seen Tennessee be very good very often. Um, I was like, you have more than me. But I was like, let's go. Let's have a good time. Let's watch, hopefully, Joe Milton ball out because he's hopefully the guy next year. Let's watch him ball out against uh, Vanderbilt defense. Just have fun. I was like, this has been too fun of a season to give up now. And let's let's get our 10th win and then hopefully 11 wins in a bowl game. Uh, so trying to get over that hump of being super negative. Obviously, obviously that game in Columbia sucked. And it's it's probably the worst loss in Tennessee history. And I know that's like dramatic to say, but with everything at stake, and what that South Carolina team is, they scored three freaking points against Florida. And then they go out there and score 63 points. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It should not have happened. But it is what it is. Honestly, it might be more of a, a detriment to South Carolina. Because, like, what the hell have you been doing? If you are if you can do this, why weren't you doing this? I, I think it also comes down to that. Because they, they talked about how talented the South Carolina team was before the season started. They didn't show it all year. And then against Tennessee, they decide to because my life's a joke. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, I, so I, like I said, you just got to tip your hat to South Carolina. They, they balled out. And I, I'm not going to say anymore because I'm already getting frustrated and getting mad again. Uh, so I'm going to move on to my other things. Like I mentioned earlier, Murray State, they played in one of the first uh, early season tournaments. They went to Myrtle Beach. They knocked off Texas A&M, number 24 Texas A&M, in the first game on Thursday which was really, really cool to see. Um, they they beat a top 25 team for the first time since I believe it was 2012, which was St. Mary's with Matthew Delvadova. I was at that game. Coach Prome, who is the coach now, was the coach then. So he, he comes back, first five games, already knocks off a top 25 team. So a huge momentum for Murray State. Uh, and then they lost on a buzzer beater to UMass in the second game, which sucked. But UMass is supposed to be good. So it's kind of like, hey, is what it is. And then absolutely throttled. Tulsa on Sunday. So it's kind of like, hey, you leave you leave Myrtle Beach with two wins, you, you take the positives, and you get out of there. So I, I was really happy with it. They're continuing to get uh, more and more co- cohesiveness, and I'm excited to see what they do in the Missouri Valley. I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on them. I'm going to go to a lot of Murray State games this year. So they're just they're an exciting team. Coach Prome is such a good coach. I hate that Iowa State fired him, but I'm also kind of happy because he's back in Murray. And hopefully, I was telling my mom this. I was like, he's already had the chance to go up to a Power 5 school. So maybe now he's like, hey, Murray's my home. I'm just going to stay and see what I can do at Murray. I, I I think that might be a possibility, and it really, really excites me. And then I got two NFL things. I'm going to start with the Titans. Um, I think the Titans have got better. Ryan Tannehill returned from injury. Uh, two weeks ago against the Broncos and played really well. And then um, I'm not going to say played really well, played serviceable. And then last week on Thursday Night Football, the Titans played the Packers. And it was really the coming out party for Traylon Burks, who's been hurt most of the year. And he came in that Thursday night game. Obviously, Tannehill's back at quarterback. Seven catches, 111 yards against the Packers, who have pretty good defense backs, pretty good defense. So I was really, really excited about that. Um, I've been, <laughs> I've been really upset <clears throat> with the trailing pick because we traded AJ Brown for him, and it's like we got to get production. And he finally, he's finally starting to show up. So that's really, really exciting. Obviously, I talked about Derek a little bit earlier. 28 carries, 87 yards. 
um, and a touchdown and throw onto that a passing touchdown at Lambeau Field. Can't do much better than that. It's pretty awesome. The Titans are the two seed in the AFC right now. Um, after just a debol- uh, like awful, awful start to the year, 0-2, uh, they've ripped off a lot of wins in a row. And uh, things are looking really good. I- I'm really excited. I went on uh, 40% BS with uh, Blake and Spencer, and I was like, yeah, press the panic button. The Titans grab the number one pick. Uh, Bryce Young's coming to town. And now they, they look like the Titans of old, so it's really exciting. Um, and then my last thing, Travis Kelsey. I think he might be the best tight end ever on Sunday night football against the chargers, six catches, 115 yards, three touchdowns. I have a Travis Kelsey on my fantasy team and going into Sunday night football, I was down by like 40 points. And I was like, well, I was like, it's a long shot, but all I've got is Travis Kelsey. I ended up losing by like five points because of Travis Kelsey, just because he went off. That's what he does like every week. And it's made me pay more attention to Travis Kelsey. I was like, this guy's a freak. He just is so good. And obviously he he's helped out by having Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. And obviously that helps. But if you watch him, the routes he runs, he's so physical. The way he's able to catch, he's, he's just amazing. He's had like six straight 1,000 yard seasons, like absurd, absurd numbers. And he's just going to continue to do this. And there was a lot of talk Sunday night. It's like, is he the best ever? I think he is. Like I know Gronk was spectacular. I, I still think, like, when I remember watching Rock, watching Kelsey, I'm more amazed by what Travis, Travis Kelsey does. And growing up, the greatest tight end ever in my book, anyways, I don't know what you think, it was Tony Gonzalez, which Kansas City Chief. And it's amazing to see how it's gone from Tony to Gronk. And then now I think Kelsey's taking the baton and he's going to continue to run. And it's the tight end position just continues to evolve. And I'm curious to see if someone's going to continue this from Travis Kelsey. And I think a couple of years ago would have been like, yeah, it's going to be Kyle Pitts and his career hasn't gone exactly how we thought it would. But I, I'm curious to see how the tight end position continues to evolve or if this is the peak. Is Travis Kelsey the peak of the tight end position? Because he might be. This guy's incredible. The way he's able to block, the way he's able to catch, the way he's able to just score touchdowns, so many touchdowns. I, I, I think he might be the peak of the tight end position. But also, I hope he's not. Because there's nothing like a great tight end. Because there's such a mismatch. Like, who do you put to cover him, a corner, a safety, a linebacker? They're all mismatches. So I, I hope the tight end position continues to evolve. We get guys like LeBron James playing tight end because that's kind of like what Kyle Pitts is. But Kyle Pitts, they got to throw him the ball in Atlanta. Well, also, he has to get healthy. Uh, prayer, shouts and prayers to Kyle Pitts towards ACL last weekend. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think Travis Kelsey might be the, the pinnacle of tight ends. I think he might've reached that. He's just so good. I'm amazed by him every time I watch him play. That's my opinion. Those are the things that stuck out to me this week in sports. Uh, what do you have? I mean, I quickly, I love Travis Kelsey. I think Mark Andrews is right there with him at this point. And it's, it's really crazy to see two tight ends that are like real focal points for their offenses, even with like the, the weapons that those guys have, obviously Lamar and, and, and Patrick. Uh, but yeah, the, the tight end position is awesome. Obviously I, I think Brock Bowers is, is going to be something special once he gets to the NFL. So uh, I think he could be the next guy. Uh, my this week in sports, I've really just got two things. I'm going to touch on Tennessee before I get into the Michigan and Ohio state thing. First off, I feel for you guys. I really do. I understand what you guys are going through in terms of, you know, taking that loss. That means that you're not going to, it, it felt like Michigan, Michigan state last year where we lost a, 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 
a real critical game that was going to keep us out of the playoff. At the same time, I was kind of a bit like you guys are skipping a step in this playoff. Like you guys were bad for a while. There's usually that year where you're close and then you make it. And it it felt like you guys were going to get to skip that step by beating Bama and then losing to Georgia. You didn't even have to go through the, the rigmarole of the conference championship week. Uh, and then the stress of like, Oh, is someone else going to make it over? It seemed like you guys were pretty cemented in and it kind of, just feels like the college football world righted itself by by just like all right we'll give we'll give South Carolina Spencer Rattler and and hang sixty three on them and and it'll all be fixed. I do think Tennessee's on the right path. Uh, I think Heupel is one of the best tires that we've seen in the past few years. I do think he needs to hire a new defensive coordinator because giving up sixty three points to South Carolina. It's not just like a talent thing. I think that's the biggest thing I've seen on social media is like oh the talent's coming. That's not a talent thing. There's got to be something schematically wrong. If you're giving up 63 points to South Carolina, like you said, nine of 10 drives went for touchdowns. There's, there's a little bit more than talent there. There's something wrong uh, in the way that they game plan for that game. Uh, but all in all, I think if you guys get that fixed, you're really looking good to like take over that number four spot uh, in terms of programs that are building towards a national championship behind obviously Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state, because I don't think there's any team that had as much success as you guys did this year. That is also embracing NIL the way you guys are. Uh, the, the only other team comparably is Texas A&M and they sucked this year. Uh, and I don't know what that program is going to look like. You guys are feet first, you know, diving straight into the, the NIL stuff where, you know, teams like Michigan, we're not doing that. We, we, you know, we, we could, we could, we have maybe a better base set, but we're not committing to NIL the same way you guys are, where you can legitimately take that next step next year. If you, if you really wanted to, uh, I do think it is going to take a new defensive coordinator though, because you do at some point have to play defense. I, I, uh, Joel Klatt always comes up with the stat. It's like the only teams to win uh, a college football playoff national championship without at least a top 25 defense is that 2019 LSU team, which is such a, I mean, I, I think Heupel's a great offensive coach. It takes a lot to get to Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase levels of offense. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Look for a defensive coordinator this year. i no doubt that you guys will find a good one. I mean, you're obviously going to pay him well enough to to, to compete. So uh, I think you guys are in a great spot. Uh, I do think it's a little bit right that you guys don't make the playoff this year, just in terms of just wait in line, wait your turn. I think you guys are up next, but maybe this year was a bit premature. Second year of Hypel, that would have been a little bit. And, and you, you know, a, a bad showing in the playoff would have been. I, I don't think you guys would have matched up well with anyone other than really Michigan because Michigan's offense is so bad uh, that we probably wouldn't have been able to score with you guys. But I think with the way that I saw your defense look against South Carolina, I think Ohio state would have given you guys uh, a pretty, <laughs> a pretty bad beat down. And I think uh, Georgia probably would have been the same. Maybe TCU uh, would have been a, a, a comparable matchup, but we'll see what TCU's at, uh, at this point, moving on to Michigan, Ohio state, because obviously that's the biggest thing in my mind this week. And uh, like I said, it is really hard to dissect this game with the injuries that are looming for, for Michigan. If, if Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards don't play, I don't think we can beat them. It's really that simple. If we don't have our top two running backs, 
we saw what Michigan's running game looked like with C.J. Stokes and Isaiah Gass running. It, it didn't look good. It, and I know we had a lot more injuries than just those two, uh, but those are the two big ones. I mean, they're the focal point of our offense. And if we don't have at least one of those talented guys running the ball, I don't know how we're going to score enough points to even stay in the game. Uh, the, Ohio State's going to get 24 to 27 points regardless, you know, regardless of who they have playing. So uh, if, if, if we don't have both of them, then we're done. Uh, I'm going to treat this like we do have at least one of them because that's the more fun way to look at this because that, that, that'll actually make it a game because if in a potentially rainy, sloppy day on, on Saturday, that's the forecast is for rain right now in Columbus. Uh, do we have a chance if our running backs play? Yeah, I absolutely. I do. Cause one, I think our defense has improved from la- from last year. Um, and I don't think their defense is as improved as everyone wants to give them credit for. Uh, in a sloppy, rainy game against Northwestern, they were outgained 285 to 283 by Northwestern. I mean, against Evan Hull. So I think our offense, with the very similar game plan, could do even worse to an Ohio State team that potentially is out with without Mayan uh, Williams and Travion Henderson at running back. So they're already terrible running game is going to be without their their top two guys at running back as well so uh it's going to be a lot of passing for cj i think our secondary is better than it was last year with guys like will johnson at at corner um so i think our defense is up to the task Uh, a big detail another big detail is mike morris and whether he will be able to play or not a defensive end michigan's really deep at defensive end but he's the only guy that i think plays on like a consistent basis on that defensive line uh and can play in both running and passing situations. We don't actually have to sub in Mike Morris for to, to get a pass rush. He's already on the field. And so uh, he's going to play a big, big part in whether or not we can get the uh, pressure on CJ Stroud and whether or not we can even slow down that offense, because that's the biggest thing. Uh, we're going to have to slow them down regardless of who we have playing on offense. And so if Mike Morris isn't out there, it's going to be tough for us to do that. Do we have a chance? absolutely we have a chance i had been if blake plays i mean i've been convincing myself we are the best team in the country prior to blake's injury i think we could beat a team like georgia i think we have a chance to beat a team like ohio state but i also saw the team that we are uh the team that we put up against illinois and if that's the team we have we have zero chance cj stokes and isaiah gash are not good enough to beat ohio state they just truly are not so uh it's really going to come down to if Quorum or Edwards play, they don't both have to play, but one of them has to be healthy enough to go. If they're not, if they're not, we're really not going to put up a fight. If they are, could be an all-time game. I, really, I mean, eleven and zero against eleven and zero for the first time since two thousand six. Uh, this is, I really think we are the foil to what Ohio State does. Obviously, Georgia is in the same vein, but it's we control the ball. We play defense. Uh, we're going to give CJ his best fight uh, of any team that he's faced. So uh, I'm excited for it, but I'm also like really nervous about the health. Like it, it, if, if Blake and <laughs> if Blake and Donovan aren't playing, that's going to be ugly. I, I don't know what, I don't know how else to put it. It's our run game. Couldn't get going against Illinois. And I, I think Illinois defense might be a little bit better than Ohio state's. That doesn't, we, we're not going to be able to move the ball if Isaiah Gash is, is the feature running back in our, in our offense. So, uh, and, and, and really JJ has to step up. I mean, I, I love, I've talked a lot about JJ and how good he can be. 
his past few weeks, accuracy wise, have been really, really poor. And, and he, if especially if one or two of our running backs are hurt, he's got to step it up. He's got to be able to make some of the throws that we've seen him miss the past few weeks. So, uh, but I think it all comes down to what happens between Blake and Donovan. If one of the, if both of them can't play, it's going to be tough for us. If one of them can play, though, uh, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a good game and it'll be an all timer for the game. We'll get on to the picks this week. Uh, it's rivalry week, obviously, for Michigan and Ohio State, but we've also got Notre Dame traveling to USC, and we've got a big matchup in the group of five between Tulane and Cincy. We'll start with Notre Dame and USC. Who do you like in that one? I'm really excited for the Notre Dame-USC game because it's a massive game. This is the third week in a row we've had a massive game with playoff implications because USC all of a sudden is looking real good to make the playoff. Caleb Williams is looking real good to win the Heisman. I, I kind of alluded to this last week. I was like, if he balls out versus that UCLA defense, that isn't very good. There's going to be a lot of hype. I, I follow USC on Instagram, the USC football account, and they've already started a um, a campaign. And I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's about right. This is, it's going to start get going. Um, he's got to ball out again. And I mentioned it last week. CJ Stroud played against this Notre Dame defense week one. And only put up 227 yards and two touchdowns. Not a bad game, but not a Heisman game against what is likely an 8-4 and four team. And that was when Notre Dame was struggling. Notre Dame's kind of picked it up now. Last week, they absolutely destroyed Boston College. It was really, really impressive. I watched quite a bit of it. And it was the defense that did a lot of the heavy lifting, obviously, off instead of put up points. USC, all of a sudden, they, they go from playing a team in UCLA that didn't play much of any defense to now they play Notre Dame where like they kind of hang their hat on defense. So it's like, what are they going to be able to do? Are they going to be able to cap off this incredible uh, regular season behind Lincoln Riley in that first year in L.A.? I think they will. I, I think Caleb Williams is going to ball out. I think he's just – he's that guy. We know, we've know we known since he was in high school. He was a top recruit at Oklahoma as a freshman. He was awesome. Throughout this year, he's been awesome. I mentioned it last week. It's just no one's been watching USC. Last week, we got a glimpse in that UCLA game because I think everybody was watching that. I think it continues this Saturday with Notre Dame coming to town. Uh, I think Notre Dame could be a very fun upset pick because I think they, they're capable of it. I, I definitely think they are. But I just – I think USC is going to be able to score, and I don't think Notre Dame will be able to keep up. I might be wrong. I, I like Marcus Freeman. I like this Notre Dame team. I, I think – because I, I think a lot of people are going to point to that Clemson game and it's like, well, they did it, but that game was at Notre Dame. And it was against a Clemson team that isn't always able to put points on the board. USC, they put points on the board. This is at USC. They've got a lot of things on the line. Clemson did too. I don't see I, – I, I've seen people point the comparisons. I don't think it's the same. I think USC's for real. And I think this is another step to USC getting in the college ball playoff and Caleb Williams – helping that Heisman resume. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Trojans to continue to make their way to the college football playoff for the first time, I think. Yeah, it would be the first time for USC if they would get in there. The only other Pac-12 team that's made it was Washington in the, the first year, I think, or no, the second year of the college football playoff. Uh, Didn't Oregon make it the first year? Oregon made it. Yeah. I forgot yeah. that that was also a playoff. The, the Yeah. The Florida Winston. State. Yeah. yeah. Forgot about those teams. Yeah. Uh, USC, Notre Dame. So I'm like, I, I was the opposite of you. I hated on Notre Dame for the past couple of weeks. I kept, I think I made a big stand last week and saying Notre Dame's not a good team and you can't count that as a good win. 
on the flip side, with Tennessee losing, now there is like this small route for Michigan to get in, even if we beat or if we even lose to Ohio State. So I am completely on board for rooting for that route, which includes USC losing to Notre Dame this weekend. So I believe Notre Dame can get it done just because I really need them to get it done. Uh, they, they did look really, really good against Boston College last week. And I think <laughs> I only USC's played a team like Notre Dame where they're going to hang their hand on defense and they're going to make you actually work to score points. The Pac-12 doesn't really make make you work to score points. It's really just who can who can survive the shootout the longest. Um, the only team comparable to that was Utah, and USC lost that game. So uh, I'll take Notre Dame in that one. So uh, moving on to Tulane versus Cincy, uh, to you know, obviously the darling of the power of the Group of Five last year in Cincinnati, but Tulane has looked awesome, especially on offense this year. Who do you like in that one, DH? So Tulane, Cincy, you'll be watching this this afternoon or this this evening. I don't know how to try noon. Michigan time, Eastern time, 11 if you're Central time like me. Today, Friday, uh, Tulane and Cincy. This is a tough game to pick because they're both 9-2 and two in this American Conference. Both teams lost to Central Florida this year, which I thought is really interesting. Um, Cincinnati's other loss was at Arkansas week one. Tulane lost to Southern Miss. Neither one of those losses is real great because – Arkansas, like week one, we're like, okay, Arkansas, they might they might be pretty good. As the season's gone on, it's like Arkansas is not really that good. Although last week they looked pretty good against Ole Miss. Uh, Tulane lost Southern Miss. Southern Miss, that's not an impressive loss. This it's really really hard to determine. The a common denominator. Tulane hosted SMU last week, destroyed them, fifty nine to twenty four. Cincinnati went to SMU. I think it was September twenty nine twenty seven. Close game. So that that's kind of like that's where I'm like getting nervous. I'm like, whoa, is there a big disparity between these two teams? I don't think there is. I don't think there is. Cincinnati, they play really good defense. Last year it was all about their offense with Desmond Ritter. There was talk about Sauce Gardner, which there should have been. There wasn't enough because Luke Fickle, he coaches these teams where they play great defense, and I feel like they haven't got the attention they deserve. And I I think going to Nippert Stadium is not an easy place to play. I went there last year when Murray State played at Nippert Stadium, and I was amazed because that place got loud for a game against Murray State. So I can only imagine this Friday, today, um, with Tulane coming to town with basically a trip to the American Championship game on the line, that place is going to be crazy. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati, home field advantage, defense. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bearcats to get a big win, continue their success. Last year they went to the playoff this year. Uh, go to the American Championship again because I believe the winner of this goes to the American Championship. So you were right about their common opponents and all that. Uh, I think you're missing one big result from Tulane, which was their 17 to 10 win over Kansas State. I think that's the most impressive win on either of these teams' resume. Kansas State's a good team. <coughs> that was State. a much different Kansas State team, but much still, different. But still, I I, I give credit to a group of five team that can go on the road and beat a good power five team. And this Tulane team, I watched them last week uh, play against the SMU team. I watched that offense very briefly right before Michigan basketball started playing. And they scored at will. I mean, I know SMU's defense isn't that good, but like they, <coughs> <One sec. coughs> 
they really did whatever they wanted to do on that offensive side of the ball. I really like what their what their coach is doing. Their offense looks a lot like a lot of fun to play in. So uh, I think Tulane wins this one. I think they score a lot of points. This will this will be a shootout, I think, and I think that's the difference. Uh, two offenses going at it. I think Tulane has the has the the better playmakers in this one. Moving on to the big one, Michigan versus Ohio State in Columbus, number two versus number three, eleven and zero versus eleven zero. DH, who do you got? I'm not going to talk about this one a lot because I'm going to let you do a lot of the breakdown. Um, I'm really excited about this one. I, I'm going to watch this one and then go to Nashville to watch Tennessee Vanderbilt in person. But I, I'm really, really excited to watch this game. A lot like last year, I was really excited about it because I feel like there's a lot of unknown. I don't know how good Ohio State is. I don't know how good Michigan is. I, I don't know how good either one of them are. And I think this is a good test for both of them because, like you've mentioned, they're two completely different styles of play where Michigan wants to run it down your throat and play defense and Ohio state's like defense. What's that? We're going to, we're going to score a lot of points, but I think you have to give credit to Ohio state's defense. When they step up, that defense is good. Like they let Maryland kind of play around with them a lot last week. I watched that game because I was really interested in this Maryland team and Talia and man, for much of that game, they just kind of let Maryland do what they were doing, kind of throw the ball and kind of score points. And when it came down to the end, Maryland had a chance to drive down the field. And I think it was either tie or uh, take the lead. And that Ohio State defense put their foot down, and they said, nah, we're, we're not going to let this happen. And they ended up scoring a defensive touchdown to make the deficit look a lot larger in the final score, which I thought was really impressive. So I, I'm curious if that Ohio State defense, if they put their foot down, and they're like, hey, we've got the talent. We've got four and five stars everywhere at every position. We can do this. We, we have to match the effort the offense puts out there. I also want to see if the offense puts the effort in. Ohio State's offense has sleptwalk in some games. Obviously, I think it's going to be hard to sleepwalk in this game with all the attention, all the hype, and all that. But they, they do sometimes sleepwalk, and, and we've seen it throughout the season. You mentioned the Northwestern game earlier. They look bad, and I know the elements were terrible, but that offense looked really bad against Northwestern. So I'm curious to see what kind of Ohio State offense comes out there. Michigan. I mean, if Blake Quorum's hurt, that hurts their chances a lot. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see because I was not impressed by the offense at all against Illinois. And I know Illinois' defense is good, uh, and that's a lot of credit to Brett Mielema because he, he's just a great coach. I, I think everybody can say that. What he's done at Illinois is really, really impressive. Um, but I was not impressed with Michigan's offense. I was impressed with their defense, though. I think their defense did a really good job because they could have let Illinois go down the field, and they didn't. They, they let Chase Brown have the two runs, and that was basically it. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, I don't know. I, I said it at the beginning of the season when we were picking the Big Ten. I was like, Ohio State's on revenge time. Last year, I thought they were the team, and Michigan ruined that. I, I think Ohio State's out for revenge. It's in Columbus. It's hard not to pick Ohio State. It feels like all the momentum is for CJ to win the Heisman, even though I think Caleb Williams should at this point. I think all the momentum like with the media and stuff is for CJ. So I, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes to get the win. I, it just feels like all the elements are there, except for the weather. The weather scares me. You mentioned that. I didn't know about the forecast. That that puts a little scare into me, but I, I feel like everything else, all the other elements are pushed towards Ohio State. I don't know. It's, it's hard to pick against those Buckeyes. They're just so talented. But I'm going to go with Ohio State, but I want to hear your perspective on it because, obviously, you've been uh, a lot more in tune, obviously, with Michigan and with Ohio State in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, so I, like I said, this one's really, really tough to, to put your finger down on because – 
Ohio State's top two running backs, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, both potentially not going to see the game. <coughs> uh, obviously, Blake Horam went down against Illinois last week. Donovan Edwards didn't see the field last week after getting hurt two weeks ago. Michigan's got a ton of injuries. Ohio State, not to say Ohio State doesn't, they've been without Jackson Smith and Jigba for basically the entire season at this point. <coughs> so much of this comes down to if Blake Gorham can can play. I, I talked about it earlier. It, it, Michigan's offense is a lot different when we're getting five to six yards a carry. And that's, that's a big thing. If you watched our offense last week, we probably looked like a, a Mac team because we really couldn't do what we wanted to do on the offensive side of the ball at all. We had to basically call pick plays and, and and things down the field that we knew were going to work because we couldn't even rely on JJ to hit an open receiver uh, last week. When we drew up good open receivers, he was, he was pretty inaccurate. And as much as I want to blame the weather, we're going to be going through the weather this weekend. So, uh, yeah, it, it it really comes down to whether Blake's going to be healthy. If he is, I want to see that Ohio State defense when they're giving up seven, eight yards of carry, when they're getting gashed by a kid that doesn't go down on first contact. Because I, I think that's one of the biggest things is, <coughs> you know, Michigan's schedule has been ripped on all season. Ohio State's played basically the same schedule. And, and in our one common opponent, Penn State, who looked better against Penn State? I think Michigan did by a pretty wide margin. So, um, you know, obviously that was the JT Tumalau game, but uh, singularly uh, one player looked pretty good, but we, we dominated Penn State. Ohio State was in, in a game with them through at least two and a half quarters. So uh, I'm obviously picking Michigan. I think if we are healthy, we, we can get it done, but it, 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 it's, it really comes down to whether or not our running backs are healthy. If they're not going to be healthy, it, it's going to be a tough game to watch. I think that's just the, the end of it, but if they're healthy, it's going to be a fun one. I, I don't think there's any uh, any questioning that. I'm going with Michigan. I'm going to hopefully get 2-0, get back to the Big Ten championship game, get back to the college football playoff, and, and get some revenge on Georgia. But uh, that's where we're at. That's going to wrap it for this week on the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Happy Thanksgiving. And I'm excited to be in Nashville tomorrow to watch the Vols. Hopefully, hopefully watch former Michigan quarterback Joe Milton ball out. I really hope so. Um, and, yeah, just happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great week, and I'll see you next week. Yep, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Here is where you can find us. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports – or you can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore. TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports. And on the web at tvsportsbank.com. Thank you so much, for everyone, for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we will see you all next week. So long.